0: Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lands. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. 1 Samuel chapter 6, verse 6. We don't see that they hardened their hearts, but they did hold on to the ark for seven months. Maybe, maybe they kept wondering, you know, maybe this will lift from us. Maybe it's not him. Maybe Dagon just fell. Maybe all these other gods just fell. You know? Maybe it's maybe it's coincidence that these things are happening. How many people are trying to convince themselves right now they sense that God is working in their life and they're trying to pin it to coincidence. Ah, that's that's a coincidence. That, that's a coincidence. That's a coincidence. And somebody has well said that sometimes when you say there's a coincidence, that's that's just God. Uh, Not making himself manifest, if you will. He's kind of disguising himself, if you will. Don't harden your heart. Now therefore, take and prepare a new cart. Here's the advice. It's going to get very detailed. And two, milch or milk cows, seven, on which there has never been a yoke. They've never been trained. They've never been connected to a yoke. And hitch the cows to the cart. Take their calves. So they were feeding cows. They were feeding little calves. Take their calves home away from them. So they're starting to give advice now. And they said, let's take a cart, never been used. Let's take cows that have never been yoked. Take the ark of the Lord and place it on a, on the cart. Put the articles of gold which you of which you return to him as a guilt offering in a box by its side. Then send it away that it may go. And watch. If it goes up by the way of its own uh, territory to Beth Shemesh, literally the house of the sun, then, this is Israelite territory, then he has done us this great evil. We'll know it's him. But if not, then we shall know that it was not his hand that struck us. It happened to us by chance. Now, that, that seems to be a stretch. I think they already know what's happened, right? But just in case it's not him, we're going to do this little test. We're going to hitch the cows up. We're going to put the calves at home. The, the cows are going to naturally be drawn to the calves because they're feeding the calves and they'll naturally be drawn this way. They've never had a yoke on. There's no reason that they would head for Israelite territory. But if they do, ho oh, oh, ho oh, oh, ho! we're going to follow. We'll follow. And we'll see. We'll see what's going to happen. And so they put the ark of the Lord on the cart 11, the box with the golden mice and the likenesses of their tumors. And the cows... Now, they're, they're all wondering. Everybody's got bated breath here. Maybe the priests are all dressed up and I don't know how they're all affected by their tumors, but they're following the cart, right? What's going to happen? What do you think? I don't know. What do you think? I don't know. And the cows took the straight way in the direction of Beth Shemesh. They went along the highway, literally along one highway. It's like they made their own ro- road and they were lowing as they went. Mmm. Mmm. It's almost like they were saying, want to go home, but some supernatural force was saying, you're taking this straight way today. Mm. And they didn't move to the right or to the left. They didn't turn aside to the right or to the left. And the Lord of the Philistines followed. <laughs> this is a cracker. They, they got to make a movie out of this. I don't know if they're hiding behind buildings and bushes. pass me the the medicine (laughs) and they followed them to the border of beth shemesh and the cows man they never even moved and they're of course what are they pulling they're pulling the ark of the covenant. and they've made a highway for our god isaiah 40 you know They've cleared the path, if you will. These cows, they're not going anywhere but where God wants them to go. They're taking the straight way because the power of God is on display. Beth Shemesh was close to the border of Philistia, about seven to eight miles east of Ekron in the foothills of the central mountain range in the territory of Judah. It's probably chosen because it was the nearest Israelite settlement to which the ark could be sent. And so here come the cows and they're traveling, and they're not budging, man. They haven't made one move toward their calves. They have made one move toward their home. They've never been yoked before, and they're just taking a straight, they're taking the narrow road right towards this Israelite settlement. Now, the people of Beth Shemesh 13 were reaping the wheat harvest in the valley. By the way, the wheat harvest is uh, something that happens in the spring the wheat harvest is connected to the day of Pentecost. In Acts 2.1, it says, when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. It's known as the Feast of Weeks or the Feast of Shavuot. By the way, it's on the Jewish calendar, and it happens during the same time of the year, and it was a mandatory feast for you to participate in. It was actually 50 days after the the spring feast connected to the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus. And it was during the feast of Pentecost that the Holy Spirit was, what? Poured out upon the church. And 3,000 souls came in in a harvest into the kingdom of God. It's harvest imagery. And what happened was, um, as Israel's life as a nation went on, especially during the end of the intertestamental period between Malachi and Matthew. Shavuot was refocused to the anniversary of the giving of the law on Mount Sinai because it was reckoned to have happened 50 days after the Exodus. Jewish tradition associated wind, fire, and voices with Sinai, and the three phenomenon are described in Acts chapter 2. And what's interesting is if it is around Pentecost or the wheat harvest, what is traveling towards Beth Shemesh is the Ark of the Covenant and inside of the Ark is the Ten Commandments. The giving of the law was celebrated at this time. And what's also interesting is that God is a God of harvest. He wants to bring in a harvest of souls. Jesus says, Jesus talks about the harvest being the end of the age. He talks about the fact that we are to go into the harvest, for the fields are white unto harvest. And so here comes the the two cows and the ark on this cart and the people are rejoicing. The people of Israel are taking in the, what was planted in the fall. They're taking it in late spring, probably about around our May, June. And they're reaping the harvest, a very joyous time. And they look, and behold. I mean, this was all over the news. This was in the local papers. Art taken by the Philistines. News at 11. This was... Su- I don't know if you can understand how devastating this was for Israel. The ark had never been captured by an enemy. It had never been taken from them. It was always the centerpiece of their worship. And now the ark had been taken by their arch enemies, the Philistines, their religious object. Ichabod was on the front page. The glory has departed. The Philistines have the ark. Life is different now. Yeah, maybe they're rejoicing over the harvest, but their main object where the Lord said, I'll meet you above that mercy seat is gone. The the nation has to be devastated. And these people are reaping the harvest in the valley. And they raised their eyes and saw. And what do they see? The ark. It'd be like you're planting tomatoes in your backyard and some... Religious object has been missing and here it comes right to your house. And they lifted up their eyes. They saw the ark and they were glad. And the cart, 14, came into the field of who? Joshua. Now, we don't know anything about Joshua the Bethshemite except that his name is quite intriguing because Joshua is the Hebrew name And in Greek, the name is Jesus. And the name means Yahweh is salvation. And here's a man, right? He's in this Beth Shemesh area, which by the way, this is a Levitical city. Just a side note. This is one of the cities marked as a Levitical city. So Levites are in the city. Joshua 21.16 is how you can identify that. And the cart came into the field of Joshua the Beth Shemite. It stood there, so they finally have stopped now, where there was a large stone. And they, the people of Beth Shemesh, split the wood of the cart and offered the cows. Now, the cows couldn't have imagined that this is how it was going to end, right? <laughs> we were on a trip to Israel, and we were passing through some of the territory that's been a problem in uh, so, they were telling us that there's there's fields that still have landmines in them, and people were asking why why is there these uh, why are these the uh, fields all fenced up and there's all this uh, what the, when they put the wire up there that is dangerous to you barbed wire, barbed wire. so they're all bar, barbed wired off and so somebody on the tour bus said why is that and he said well there's still landmines out there that are active and. Somebody said, well, there's cows grazing out in that field. Why are there cows out there if there's mines out there? And, and the guy, the, our guide said, well, every now and then, <laughs> boom. <clears throat> and somebody on the bus said, shredded beef. <laughs> so the, the ark is stopped next to this large stone. Uh, if you want to look this up, Google Beth Shemesh. And this area, they've dug up some archaeological discoveries, very rocky area, and they don't know, I don't think they know for sure uh, where this stone would be, but there was enough of a flat area on this stone where it became um, a a place that uh, was a makeshift altar. So notice what happens now. Levites just happen to be in the city where this ark has gone. So the Levites, 15, took down the ark of the Lord. They're the only ones that could handle it, by the way. They were supposed to just not touch it, but use poles that was with it and the box that was with it. So that now they got the box with the mice and, and the tumors in which were the articles of gold and they put them on the large stone and we'll find out that they put the ark there as well. And the men of Beth Shemesh offered burnt offerings and sacrifices that day to the Lord. So now there's a sense in which They understand they've sinned against God. So they start offering burnt offerings to the Lord. They're not supposed to do this outside of the tabernacle, by the way, but there are Levites there and they're the ones that can do the sacrifices, so they start to do this. On a side note, if you want to see the treatment of the ark and the holy objects, write down Numbers 4. 4-16 through and there's specific instructions on how you move these objects. They have to be covered with a certain skin of an animal. One version says with porpoise skin. You have to cover them a certain way. They have to be handled a certain way, moved a certain way. There, There are very clear instructions on how you move this and who can move it and how you do it. And so... They take it down. They place it on the rock. They're offering all these offerings. They have to, there has to be a mixed reaction of both joy and uh, maybe even sorrow as to why the ark was lost in the first place. And when the five lords of the Philistines, remember, they've been following, right? They've been, they had their headlights off, but they've been following. And the five lords of the Philistines saw it. They returned to Ekron that day. They said, okay. Uh, one thing we know, apparently the God of Israel is behind the tumors and the mice. That's what we know. I don't know how many meetings they had after that. I don't know what happened to all these people and their diseases. There's nothing that tells us that the diseases were lifted from my reading of the text. And so the Israelites got to be rejoicing. These are the golden tumors which the Philistines returned for a, a, a guilt offering to the Lord. They did one for Ashdod, one for Gaza, one for Ashkelon, one for Gath, and one for Ekron, the five cities. And here's why I say I don't think it was one thing that they did, because, and the golden mice, according to the number of all the cities of the Philistines, belonging to the five lords, but notice, both of fortified cities and of country villages. Apparently, not only the main cities, but even the villages had been hit by this terrible plague. It was everywhere. And so there were five of the tumors that they had set up, but they had made apparently more mice and they had all these golden mice that were in this box and, and it was there. I don't know what the children of Israel thought what was going to be done with it. But. So they had the golden mice and the large stone of the great stone, some of your versions say the great stone of Abel, no connection to Adam and Eve's son, but this is sometimes these places were named on which they set the Ark of the Lord as a witness to this day in the field of Joshua, the Bethshemite. So the author saying, "You can go see it today. If you were reading it back in the day, you could go there, you could say, "We're going to take a little vacation family. We're going to go see the large stone where the, Is- where the Philistines bought the golden mice and the golden tumors, and they set the ark there, and the people were reaping, and they were going to go, "Well, take some picture, you could be right in front of the rock. Well, take a picture of you." And you could see it. It was an identified marker. This is part of the beauty of the Bible, archaeology, right? Some of you love archaeology because you know the Bible can be verified with archaeology. Every time they dig up something, it confirms the Bible over and over and over again. And the author says, look, the stone's there. It's a stone of witness. This is the day that nobody would ever forget. And if the story ended that way, we'd all be saying, cool. The God of Israel got more than one over on the Philistines, and and things are right in the world. But, and he struck down some of the men of Beth Shemesh because they had looked into the ark of the Lord and he struck down of all the people, 50,070 men. Now, some of your versions say 70 and I'll comment on that in a second. And the people mourned because the Lord had struck the people with a great slaughter. Apparently in all the melees of everything that was going on, some people got an idea. They said, hey, this isn't going to happen again because you guys know where this ark goes, right? It goes behind the curtain in the Holy of Holies and only one man and that only once a year and that not without blood can even interact with it. This is a prime time opportunity remember the character in the Lord of the Rings, the little hobbit dude? There's that ball there, um, and he can't. He got. He's got to wake up in the middle. He's got to see what. You know, he just wants to touch it again. In that weird Lord creature, you know. The, anyway, it's kind of like that. Who was he? Yeah, but there's somebody else. That weird eye guy. <laughs> anyway, Sauron. Yeah. Here's the point. Apparently, some people couldn't resist. And this is why I believe that the Lord, or uh, the uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark has some biblical correctness to it. <laughs> because apparently some people not only looked at it, because I think everybody was looking at it, wouldn't you assume that everybody looked at it? I don't think looking at it was the problem. I wouldn't even say that gazing at it would, could have been the problem, because how could you not gaze at it? But I think what they did is they looked into it. I think... I don't know who they were, but there's one or two or three in every crowd, right? Hey, come here. No, don't touch it. Yeah. Remember how I started this message about the power of God? You don't mess with the power of God. You don't trifle with the God of the universe. Maybe Steven Spielberg read 1 Samuel when you put together that scene where the nazis are being fried because it may be that 70 people died and scholars say it's probably 70 because this is a smaller village and this is what what you call a textual variant now the the text could go either way with the numbers and so some people are going to hold that it's that many and some people are going to say it's 70 this does happen from time to time with manuscripts the Bible is inspired in the original manuscripts, but as it was copied, you have to know, sometimes there are textual variants. This is one. And so, it may be 70, it may be that many, but there, were, there was a slaughter of people. Numbers 4.20 says, But they shall not go in to see the holy objects, even for a moment, lest they die. And the men of Beth Shemesh said, 20, who is able to stand before the Lord, this holy God? And to whom shall he go up from us? Or to whom will the ark go up from here? What are we going to do with it now? Are we next? And so they sent messengers to the inhabitants of Cariath-Jerim, saying, The Philistines have brought back the ark of the Lord. Come down and take it up to you. <laughs> the modern city of cariath Jerem is Tel el eight miles northwest of Jerusalem and about 15 miles east, northeast of Beth Shemesh. It means a city of forests. It was away from the Philistine uh, territory and towards Shiloh. It was a strategic location on a hill at the juncture boundaries of Judah, Dan, and Benjamin. And so they said, well, they brought the ark back, but uh, (laughs) we need to make a couple telephone calls because we need to move it again. And so that stone, that large stone became a stone of witness. How do we end a message like this? Well, I want you to look at verse 20 and ask the question, who is able to stand before this holy God? Who can stand before him? In the book of Joel, it talks about the day of the Lord. It says, indeed, it is great and very awesome and who can endure it? Revelation 6:17 says, For the great day of their wrath has come, and who is able to stand? Who can stand before this God? And you know the answer? You can. You know why? You're cloaked in the righteousness of His Son. And I want you to turn to the book of Jude, and we'll end with this beautiful benediction. Who can stand before this God? You can. That's the beauty. Right before the book of Revelation. Jude. Only one chapter. Jude. What we need to tell people is that there's only one way you're going to stand before the Lord acceptable. There's only one way that His... Glory and power is not going to undo you. There's only one way that you're going to be righteous in His sight. There's only one way you're going to be holy. Only one way you're going to enter the kingdom. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. In Jude 1, 22, it says, Have mercy on some who are doubting, save others snatching them out of the fire, and on some have mercy with fear, hating even the garment polluted by the flesh. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless, with great joy, to the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Father, thank you for the word of God. You are holy. We acknowledge your Holy name, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Lord, help us to realize that you have manifest your power, but your power is not to be trifled with, but your power is released through the gospel. It's manifested in the person of Jesus Christ and it's actually your power that protects us. We're protected by the power of God, fills us, strengthens us in our weaknesses. When I'm weak, then I'm strong. Lord, we don't have to fear your power. I think as a New Testament Christian, we could say we rejoice in your power, but we are not to trifle with your power. We're to become a channel of your power. Thank you that Christ is the wisdom of God and the power of God. We want to experience that power, Lord, and thank you that that power is manifested through your grace and your love. And thank you that that power will... Cause us to stand one day, holy and blameless before you. If you're not a Christian tonight, settle it with him. It's something like this, and I would encourage you to pray it right now. Jesus, pray it out loud if it's you. Come into my life. Thank you that you died on the cross for me and rose from the dead. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. I turn and repent from my sin and trust in you and you alone for my salvation. Forgive me, cleanse me, and renew me. I ask that in Jesus' name. Lord, for those who may just need to kind of redirect their lives in concert with your power, I pray that you'll help them with that. And for all of us, Lord, may we tap into your power for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message again, learn more about our church in Corona, or to access archived messages, go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the Church tab. You can follow us on Instagram, at livingtruthcorona, or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on Apple and Android devices. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry. You can partner with us by donating at livingtruthradio.org. You're not listening by accident, my friend. Trust in Jesus Christ today. Hey, if you've made a decision to follow Christ, or maybe you've decided to get more serious, we've had some wonderful emails lately from people who have been blessed by this program, blessed by this current teaching in 1 Samuel. I know there's a lot here to think about and chew on and reflect on. But folks, send us a note. Let us know if the program's been a blessing to you. You can reach out to us through livingtruthradio.org. We also have a church website. It's livingtruthcorona.org. dot org. Either way, you can get to the the uh, uh, tab, which will allow you to leave us an email through the contact information. You can also donate to this ministry to allow us to get on more radio stations and be able to uh, impact more and more people. We have a lot of wonderful opportunities, folks. Please keep praying for us, and you know the the donations kind of trickle in slowly to this radio program, but. If this program's been a blessing to you and you can help us out financially, please do so. Livingtruthradio.org, just click on the donate button. As you're there, check out the site. Um if you live anywhere in Southern California and you want want to come by and worship with us, the church fellowship is in the city of Corona, right near the 91 and 15 freeways, just off of the Lincoln Avenue exit actually off the 91. We're near Lincoln and River, two major streets and um uh, we just love to invite you out. And if you just want to drop us a note or even give us a phone call at the church office, we appreciate you listening. We appreciate your prayers. Thank you for sharing with us that the program's been a blessing to you. And again, we covet your prayers and we'll look forward to being with you next time on Living Truth Radio. Hi, this is Pastor Michael, and I just want to take a moment to thank you for listening to Living Truth Radio. And, you know, when we're doing radio, folks, um, it's a little hard to tell who's listening And we'd like to be able to uh, hear from our listening audience. And we're not asking for anything other than just drop us an email and let us know uh, if the program has been a blessing to you. We'd certainly like to hear from you. We're always looking how to best spend our stewardship dollars in terms of the ministry of radio. And so we'd like to know uh, how we're doing. And drop the email to office at livingtruthcorona.org. That's office at livingtruthcorona.org. Dot org and just let us know who you are and if you've been listening if the program's been a blessing to you that would really help us out and that would be a blessing to us just to hear from some of our radio listeners so again drop an email to office at living thank you so much for listening and praying for us and supporting us if you can and we uh, are very appreciative of the body of christ and pray that the lord will bless you and your family